0: The Issues That Matter Most, right here, The Drew Mariani Show,
1: on Relevant Radio.
0: It was the spring of 1916.
2: Lucia dos Santos, age 9, and her cousins Francisco Marto, 8, and his sister Jacinta, 6, were playing while watching over the sheep when an angel appeared. Over the course of his three visits, the angel instructed the children to pray unceasingly and to offer up everything within their power as a sacrifice to the Lord
0: in reparation for the sins, indifference, and sacrilege by which God is most offended. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Well, good afternoon. So great to be here with you today. Thank you for joining me and for taking a look at life through the eyes of our faith. And the 20th century was an amazing century. We were talking a little bit about John Paul II, who really was the Fatima Pope. He was the Pope that released the Third Secret of Fatima. But it was also, if you think about um, the message of Fatima and how critical it was for what unfolded in the decades ahead and how incredible it is today, really is an important thing. Uh, The the Fatima revelations um, on May 13th, the Vatican, of course, revealed part of the message, as you might remember, Uh, It had to do with the assassination of Pope John Paul II on June 26th. It released the rest of the secret, which had to do with the remarkable vision of an angel holding a flaming sword and ready to chastise the world. I want to talk about the third secret today. I want to talk about what happened when Sister Lucia received it. And there's some information you may have never heard. And if you want to join the conversation you're welcome to pull up a chair. I know it's a fascinating topic. The number's 888 914 Secrets from Heaven regarding the future. You know, as we were talking about, the Holy Father was recovering from his surgery after his assassination attempt. And he asked his uh, then, um, his secretary, Bishop uh, Stanislaus Jivich, to get him the envelope that contained the third secret of Fatima. And, and again, I, you know, I think if I became Pope, I'd want to see that right away. But here he is, shot, we're in the the process now of recovering, and he asked for two things, the Diary of St. Faustina and the Third Secret of Fatima. The Third Secret was not publicly revealed into the year 2000, and this was, what, 1981 when he was shot. And and it has been a, you know, since even the release, it has been a source of controversy. I want to bring some clarity to that today. Barb Ernster is going to be stopping by in a second. We'll get her, her take on it. But it's been an elusive mystery ever since... It was first given to these seers on July thirteenth, nineteen eighteen, and the first two secrets, you know, first I should say the first two parts of the secret, really, is a better way of putting it. Uh, they were made known in uh, nineteen forty one to the uh, the bishop of Portugal at the time, Bishop Liaria. and Sister Lucia did not want to tell the third one. She didn't want to reveal that because she didn't think. That got it authorized her to do that, but a couple years later, the bishop ordered her under obedience to write it down. I'm glad he did, right? She did, but then you know what she did? She sealed it in an envelope and said it should not be opened until 1960. Actually, it stayed sealed for another 40 years after that, although there there are rumors that Pope St John the 23rd and Pope Paul VI and Pope John Paul the 1st and Pope St John Paul the Great they all read it but didn't reveal it into the year 2000. So what was in this secret? It has become unfortunately a, a source of controversy but for some people uh, you know uh, it has also become an obsession. You know, for others it is it, it's it's something that screams out to you from supermarket you know, tabloids, you often see that type of stuff. But what is the secret? I mean, if this comes from heaven, it had to be important. What did it reveal? Well, I'm joined today by Barb Ernster. She's communication director for the World Apostolate of Fatima and the Blue Army. And you can find them out. They're a great organization. BlueArmy.com. BlueArmy.com. Help them if you can. I, I have a lot of respect for the work they've done over the past century. And uh, she's uh, here to, to join us today. Good to have you with me, Barb. Or I should say over the past decades, you weren't doing this, you know, in 1921. In, in uh, but good to have you back. Good afternoon.
3: Well, thank you, Drew. It's nice to be back with you.
1: Yeah, the,
3: um, you can Excuse my gravelly voice. I have a little bit of an allergy thing
1: going on today <laughs> no no problem look let's you know we talk about three secrets really it's one secret in three parts really right so let, let's go back maybe set yeah. the scene what happened if there are people who don't know the details of fatima so maybe we should even go back kind of give an overview of, of what happened uh to you know from heaven to the world uh, our, our lady's visions and then the imparting of secrets fascinating why not tell the world what what was what was the secret and and why were the parts separated?
3: Well that's a good question why our lady reveal you know comes and brings secrets because of course that gets all of our curiosity going and then it's a hard we have a hard time focusing on the real message but the secrets were revealed in on the in the July 13th apparition and this was after you know the, the first two apparitions were extremely powerful where the kids had these amazing experiences where they were immersed in the light of God and they saw themselves and I mean I think the first two apparitions really helped they were being formed in the Immaculate Heart of Mary and they were they were learning to be obedient to her and, you know, they had no idea what was happening to them at the time and you think they had some extremely um, powerful spiritual experiences that only a spiritual director could help explain but they were on their own and they didn't have anybody explaining this to them. So on July 13th when Our Lady comes, she reveals to them, first of all, she shows them a vision of hell and I mean, little seven-year-old Jacinta, that just affected her immensely. Um, I always say they didn't have spirit Halloween stores at the time, and right. so they didn't understand, you know, they didn't have visions of what demons looked like, but they were still able to distinguish the demons from the souls that were lost in hell. And then they had the uh, vision where Our Lady told them the, the prophecy. Well, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a prophecy, but she asked for a consecration of Russia, And the second part, she said she would come back to ask for the Communions of Reparation on the first Saturdays, because our Lord wanted to establish in the world devotion to her Immaculate Heart. And if these things weren't done, then Russia would spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the Church, and the good would be martyred, the Holy Father would have much to suffer, and various nations would be annihilated. And so... The third, then she revealed the third, third secret, and Francisco, as many people know, he wasn't able to hear Our Lady. So he was watching at the time, and he also saw the vision. And they saw like a, the vision of the third secret as if they were watching the scenes going by in a mirror. So it, Lucia always said she wasn't a prophetess, and she never viewed these things as prophecy. But they saw at the left of Our Lady and a little above, they saw an angel with a flaming sword and it gave out flames. It looked as if it would set the world on fire. But then Our Lady lifted up her hand and her right hand and, and came in contact with that flame and it, it died out. But the angel had been pointing to the earth and saying in a loud voice, penance, penance, penance. So we see Our Lady interceding for the world. But... What the angel is about to to give is the justice that is deserved because of our sin. So she said, we saw an immense light that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. A bishop dressed in white, they had the impression it was the Holy Father. And other bishops, priests, and men and women religious going up a steep mountain at the top of which was a huge uh, cross. And then before they reach there, the, the Holy Father passes through a big city, half in ruins and half trembling. He's afflicted with pain and sorrow and he's praying for the souls of the corpses he meets along the way. When they get to the top of the mountain, he's killed by a group of soldiers who are firing bullets and arrows at him. And then after that, the bishops, priests, men and women, religious and various lay people all die as well. And then they see these angels with these crystal aspersoriums in their hands and they are picking up the blood of the martyrs and sprinkling it on the souls who are making their way to God. It's a very powerful, powerful vision. And I know people look for more in the third secret, but there's a lot going on in this vision. And it, Lucia said, it. She, she said, it is. it refers to Our Lady's words, if Russia is not consecrated, this is what will happen. And so when the church interpreted it as a kind of a, a conglomeration of all of the 20th century in one vision, it, it truly is what happened in the 20th century, and we're still kind of going through this as we're making our way to the cross.
1: So That's fascinating. So it is not about any one individual pope being shot or slung with arrows, but it is the church which he represents, right?
3: Well, Lucia did feel she did tell Pope John Paul too that, yes, she believed he was the bishop in white, um, if, if you wanted to look for a personification, but oh. because of Mary interceding again, even in the vision, she intercedes. So, as as the church rightly said, this was not a prophecy that can't you know that can't be undone. It's a it's it. They saw what would transpire when God's justice is carried out, and you know the vision is is all that happens in the 20th century due to our own sin, and we bring on the punishment ourselves, and it all could have, it all can be avoided if we do what the angel said and do penance, penance, penance. Our Lord is Looking for us to respond to his request, yeah. to follow his laws and to follow his will every day.
1: I was always struck by the fact that you know the horrors of the second uh, of the of the 20th century could have been avoided. You know, Our Lady came and gave the children the solution. Right, we didn't have to see Russia spread her errors or, or spread atheistic communism. We didn't have to see all the other evils that would stem from from that come and yet the world failed to respond you know um your thoughts on that do you think that if the world would have responded truly there wouldn't have been a second world war we wouldn't have seen Stalin we wouldn't have seen the spread of atheist and communism we wouldn't have seen this nuclear proliferation all these other things we've seen we've even seen the you know uh, in our own country and around the world contraception the legalization of abortion and a whole litany of other things that have have taken place uh, since then. Well, what were your thoughts? What did Our Lady say about that? Because this is the case in many apparitions. She often comes, La Salette was another one, where she warned of future events to take place if the world did acts that could be avoided in Champion, Wisconsin, in our own country here. Virgin said the same thing, and 12 years to the date of that warning was the Great Pestigo Fire, one of the worst fires in recorded history. So you see this pattern of warning, call to prayer and penance, and yet humanity's failure to it. What do you make of that particular moment? And and you know, I maybe you can't answer the question, but your your speculation on why we seem to fail all the time to respond when heaven itself sends a messenger, the Mother of God, to gives us the key to get out of all this, to unlock those chains.
3: I think because we are always so focused on the future, we're not focused on the present. And I, I was just reading the other day about Garibandel. When people heard the messages of Garibandel, oh. they were disappointed because it was just the gospel message. Well, that's what Fatima is, and Our Lady is always coming to intercede and help her children get to heaven. She's she's constantly interceding before God the Father. And and um, I I know that Lucia when after there's a whole lot of history here we could st- go through, but in 1940 Three or 1942, Pope Pius XII did make a consecration with the bishops of Portugal, and they did mention Russia, but because it was not in union with all the bishops of the world, that was the main requirement that Our Lady had asked for. But Our Lord said, because of His obedience and His attempt at this, He would shorten World War II. Wow! And then um, Lucia was—you know—she often she heard Our Lord's um, voice in prayer. And at, at, at prayer at one point, she said, Our Lord complains bitterly about the limited number of souls in grace who are unwilling to resign themselves to the observance of His laws. He called for all to for, fulfill their duties in life in obedience to His will. That was the repentance He was requiring. Even now, we, we are filled with anxiety about what's happening in the world. And um, But, you know, I, I always find it interesting. We're so obedient to yeah. a state mandate to wear a mask or... Mm-hmm. You know, distance six feet apart, but yet mm-hmm. we don't want to look at God's laws for us, which do represent freedom. His laws are not supposed to be a chain around our neck. They're supposed to be for our own happiness, and we pick and choose through our Catholic faith on what we're going to believe and what we're not going to believe, and then we cater to the secular world, which continues to gobble up our faith, and what's happening? We're losing our freedom, and so God wants our obedience to his will he wants us to live his commandments and that's the first apparition at fatima may 13th when she appeared she said are you willing to offer yourselves to god and bear all the sufferings he will give you for the sake of souls i remember father calloway recently i heard a talk by him and he said i didn't become a priest become a social worker yeah, right. i became a priest to save souls lucia says the same thing when we take up an apostolate it's on behalf of our brothers and sisters when you're consecrated to Mary, you're concerned about the things that she's concerned about. We should be concerned about the souls of our friends, our neighbors, our family members. We, we should be concerned about people getting to heaven. And so when we take up this apostolate and we do offer prayers and penance, things can change. We, this vision was not a vision of the future. It's a vision of, you know, what happens when we don't listen to God's laws. We have to live through the harder part. And so... Mary comes to help us and warn us, but she's always directing us to God's laws, to the gospel. And if that's a boring message for you,
1: <laughs>
3: we're going to have to live through this secret.
1: We're
4: going to have to live through a tougher time.
1: So so let me ask you, is the secret over? Are, are we done with the third secret? Or are we moving on? Or is this a, a secret that is somewhat timeless?
3: I think it's timeless. I think it's the path of the Church. The Church will go to the cross, and I think that we, uh, there was recently an article I was reading where Pope Benedict XVI said, sometimes God's victory is very evident, other times evil obscures it all. When I feel like we're living in a time when evil is so prevalent, it's obscuring God's work, it's obscuring the works of the Holy Spirit, but underneath there are many things happening. <clears throat> it's hard for us to see it right now. We're kind of living through a time of darkness. But we have to keep our eyes focused on Christ. That's what Mary asks us we can't worry about whether I'm going to be one of them going up that hill and I'm going to be shot down. I really look at this, the more I study this secret, the more I feel it is a vision of a whole century of the church's path through the 20th century. We're still living through it because, unfortunately, the consecration wasn't done for 55 years, and so Russia did have an opportunity to spread its errors, and now we're we're having to deal with that harder part, and we're having to keep fighting. (laughs) We're really living through the times that St. Louis de Montfort predicted. In the latter times, there would be a special group of people, special people that would rise up, that would be consecrated, especially to Our Lady. And she would use us to drive out all idolatry and schismatics and all this um, stuff that's going on. We have to look at ourselves as being part of Our Lady's army, especially if you're consecrated to her. But what does she ask us to do to focus on Christ every day and be obedient to his laws? Because he will use us as a collective group.
2: Right.
1: My guest today is Barb Ernster. And I'll tell you what, if you want to join the conversation, she's communication director, by the way, for the world apostle to Fatima and the blue army, you can learn more about them at blue army.com. I'm going to open the phones. I have to take a short break, but when I come back, um, if you want to get in the numbers, triple eight, nine, one, four, nine, one, four, nine. We're talking today about the, Third secret of Fatima, a very significant day, May 13th, on a number of reasons. Everything from John Paul II's assassination all the way back to, uh, uh, to Fatima. And we're taking a look at uh, the third secret. And, and I want to talk about the role of angels in Fatima as well. Angels with flaming swords, an encounter that Sister Lucia had. I, I think of other apparitions as well. Uh, Akita, even St. Faustina, seeing an angel. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. So when we come back, if you want to get in, 888 9149 Our conversation will continue
0: right after this. Unashamed, unashamed, unashamed of the truth. It, it's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Unashamed of the truth.
1: Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com. Slash Forrester.
0: On this day in 1917, a miraculous event took place that would change Fatima, Portugal forever. Beginning on May 13, 1917, three shepherd children claimed the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother, appeared to them with a series of messages from Heaven. The children named Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta said Our Lady had asked them to come on the 13th of every month and continue to pray the rosary every day to obtain peace for the world and an end to the war. Our Lady also promised a miracle which would take place at noon on October 13, 1917, so that all would believe. On that day, an estimated multitude of 70-100,000 to were gathered in a rainy and muddy field. Shortly after noon, The crowd witnessed an unprecedented solar phenomenon, as the sun, looking like a ball of fire, appeared to come crashing towards the earth. After 12 minutes, it returned to normal, and the people's clothes were perfectly dry, as reported by the Lisbon newspaper O Seculo, with testimonies of tens of thousands of eyewitnesses, including skeptics and atheists.
5: Many of the people that went there that day were curious and and, and non-believers, and to have a miracle of that magnitude happen, they instantly believed.
0: Father Francis Hoffman, Father Rocky, is the executive director of Relevant Radio.
5: Well, you know, at Fatima there were those uh, extraordinary prophecies of the Blessed Mother to the three shepherd children, in which she mentioned that, among other things, that if Russia were not consecrated to her immaculate heart, the entire um, church would have a lot to suffer. The Pope would have a lot, a lot to suffer. Entire countries would be annihilated, and such. And uh, all of his prophecies came
0: true. On May 13th of this year, Pope Francis traveled to the Shrine of Fatima to celebrate the historic centennial of the apparitions and to canonize two of the children, now Saints Francisco and Jacinta Marto. Father Rocky on the message of Our Lady. Well, I think the main
5: part of the message is that if we do not repent, we will bring upon ourselves the calamity of our own sins. Sin is the mystery of evil, mysterium iniquitatis. And God uses special situations to bring us back to our knees. And I think that was the message of Fatima. We need to repent from our evil and make reparation to the Mac heart of Our Lady and to Our Lord for our sinfulness. Otherwise, we will suffer the consequences of the seeds we sow.
3: The messages given of Fatima are still true for us today, um, maybe more so than at that time that, that we've got to pray, that we've got to do penance, and we've got to got to work to obtain conversion because um, the battle is heating up between good and evil.
0: The message of Our Lady of Fatima is still very relevant a hundred years later. It's simply return to God. I'm John Morales reporting for Relevant Radio. It's truth, hope, and a look at life you won't get anywhere else. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio.
1: And I love that. John's conclusion there. My thanks to John Morales, my colleague, for producing that package. He says, it is simply the message of Adam's return to God. That's the gospel message, isn't it? That's the message of John the Baptist, to amend our lives and to return to God. We should do penance. We should, as my guest today, Barb Ernster, is pointing out, uh, live lives of virtue. Follow God's commands. You know, his laws are not meant to limit or bind or in any way uh, infringe on our freedom, rather they're to unlock and loosen and give us true freedom. And yet that is so countercultural, isn't it? It's so hard to, to realize that. If you're just joining me, I'm speaking with the uh, Director of Communications for the World Apostle of Fatima and the Blue Army, Barb Ernster. We're talking today uh, a little bit about Fatima. On May 13th, of course, you've had that very famous apparition of the Mother of God and Our Lady... Course would be coming on the thirteenth of the month. Uh, the seers in Fatima, at Fatima, she imparted to the children secrets, gave them visions of the afterlife of hell, and um, one of the the third part of the secret was long hidden away. You know, it was not revealed until the year two thousand. But I want to go back in time a little bit. This is nineteen seventeen, right? The two young seers, they succumbed. Uh, very early in, in in life, they died to you know from the Spanish flu, and then Sister Lucia would live to a very ripe age. Uh, but in the 1930s, Sister Lucia was desperately trying to get the church to do the consecration that the Virgin Mary asked for. She wanted to have uh, you know the, the Russia consecrated to the Immaculate Heart, uh, and she revealed in a letter to the bishop in, in 35 her understanding of what was being asked by the church to avoid the punishment of war. Uh, Again, you know, war looms not too far in in the world's future. 1939, we know Hitler crosses over into Poland, and uh, we see what happens, you know. Uh, The the second great war, if you will, the creation of the atomic bomb, and we see all the horrors that fall from that. She saw things in the mystery of God's light, but she had a hard time explaining them in words and revealing the secret. So the letter prompted the bishop a few years later after the Second World Second World War broke out, to write down the third secret, and he asked her to to um, you know he asked her to write to Pope Pius XII requesting the consecration of Russia so that further evil could be avoided. So important this consecration, if it's done, evil gets mitigated, it gets limited. Right, Satan cannot work uh, when we're consecrated to the Immaculate Heart. So in 1943, she was actually commanded to write down the secret. And Barbara, let me pick up on that point. What happened? in 1943, because I know this is something that she did not write down. I don't know if she even wanted to write it down, but she was actually commanded, ordered out of obedience to do this. Share what happened during that experience.
3: Well, what's interesting is Lucia never wrote anything except out of obedience. She found it really repulsive and What was was difficult for her is she had not been given permission from heaven to write this down, so she had been sick with a fever in June of that year, and it continued all the way through September, and the bishop thought she was going to die, so he wanted her to write it down, but she struggled with, who do I be obedient to, the church or to the Blessed Mother? And in December that year, she had written to the bishop and said, you know, she tried five times to write it down, but no matter what, every time she tried, she couldn't Come to write it down yet she had no trouble writing other things and so by Christmas that year she was experiencing a dark night of the soul and she was very down about this and she kept seeking enlightenment from God you know what am I supposed to do so on January 3rd 1944 she was at her she was at her writing table and she had just she had gone uh, to the chapel to pray and she asked Our Lady to let her know what was God's will and Our Lady it's so touching to me When Our Lady would appear to her when she was at the convent, she would feel her hand on her shoulder. So she looked up and there was the Blessed Mother. And the the Blessed Mother said to her, Do not be afraid. God wanted to prove your obedience, faith, and humility. Be at peace and write what they order you, but not what has been given to to you to understand its meaning. So she did have further insights into what this this secret meant, but she was ordered to only write down what they saw in the vision. And that's what she did. And after she, as she was starting to write it out, she she said, I felt my spirit flooded by a mystery of light that is God, and in him saw and heard. The tip of the spear as a flame unlatches and touches the axis of the earth. It shudders. Mountains, cities, towns, and villages with their inhabitants are buried. The sea, the rivers, and the clouds emerge from their limits, overflowing and bringing with them in a whirlwind houses and people in numbers that are not possible to count. It is the purification of the world because of sin as it plunges. Hatred and ambition cause the destructive war. Then she said, Then I felt the rapid beating of my heart and a gentle voice saying, In time, one faith, one baptism, one church, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, in eternity in heaven. Now, this was found after she died in her diary. Nobody knew about this extra mm-hmm. vision she had. So it's, it's the Sisters of Coimba found it, and it's in her book, uh, the biography that they wrote, The Pathway Under the Gaze of Mary, which our organization publishes. And that's the first time anybody ever knew about this extra vision that she had. So she saw what happens when the angel releases the flaming sword and it touches the earth's axis. And this kind of coincides with what Akita our Lady of Akita talked wow. about, and La Salette, and even Garabandel, I believe. Uh, there's some references to this kind of a chastisement. And it's, again, she says it's the earth plunging into its sin. It's a the punishment. It's not God. It's us plunging into our own sin. And so wow. it looks like hatred and ambition cause the destructive war. And she talks frequently about how mankind continues to even though that there's all these things happening we continue to plot wars and destroy and you know it's it's based on people's ambition and pride
1: mm. wonder where we are today where we need our lady more than ever yeah you know prayer and penance that's the solution well, consecration she said,
3: and she said um, she had told many people she uh, Cardinal Bertone, she looked at the what they gave her. Is this what you wrote down? She confirmed it many, many times. Yeah. And she said, I think it was at least five or six times, she she said, this is, w- this is what I wrote down that day. She actually, when she was trying to seal it up, because she was so careful that none of her writing would, would get into the wrong hands. Right. She didn't know how she was going to get this delivered. She actually was out burning the garbage. And there was a little piece of wax at the bottom of the, of the barrel. And she grabbed it she goes, and, and she melted it and sealed the envelope with that little piece of wax. Wow. And she looked at that as God even provided for me so I could get <laughs> this sealed. <laughs> I but love she it. said, no, no matter how many times she said, this is what I wrote down. This yeah. is my words. This is the piece of paper. She said, some people are never happy and it's, it, it doesn't matter to them. They're always looking for more. So that was a cross that she also had to bear.
1: Well, after the secret was revealed, uh, a lot of people feel that it was either altered or that the length of it didn't coincide with what she wrote in Portuguese. And there a lot of controversy that surrounded the third, the secret, and the, and the release of it. But um, I'm with you. I defer to Sister Lucia. I trust John Paul II, and I trust the church. Let's go to the phones and we'll take a few calls. Paul's listening in Youngstown, Ohio. Paul, thanks for joining us.
4: Oh, well, thank you for taking the call. I wanted to ask about the third secret and what it meant when they spoke of the conversion of Russia. Yeah. Um, I had watched an Orthodox priest talk about this. and He was a friend of the titular king of Portugal, a man named Dom Duarte Pio. And uh, he asked Mr. Pio about it, and he said, yes, he knew Sister Lucy. And he said he asked Sister Lucy that very question, and did it mean Russia would become Catholic or return to its... Orthodox faith and supposedly sister Lucy had told mr. Pio that as she understood the message it meant Russia would return to its Orthodox faith how do the Catholics see that
1: All right, great thank you Paul
3: yes we we recently did a, our whole magazine on on Russia and the Russian Orthodox Church um, they it is Lucia said our late our lady never said they would become Catholics I think what we need to be praying for is unity between the East and the West. And yes, the conversion of Russia is going to come through the Russian Orthodox Church, not through the Catholics. Currently in Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church is rebuilding buildings. They're, they're operating, they're, they're, um, they're thriving, but they don't, they don't trust the Catholics. So any conversion of Russia is going to come through the Russian Orthodox Church, and we need to pray for that. There were five Russian Orthodox patriarchs that joined in the consecration. Um but that's why I believe that um I pray all the time for unity between the two, the East and the West because that was something John Paul 2 wanted too as well. It was something deep in his heart and the church breathes with both lungs and I don't think that we would ever expect that the Orthodox churches would become Catholic but that we would be united and I, I do believe there's a conversion going on over there. But again, the secular world is so powerful and it's really, really hard to reestablish the church after it's been persecuted into nothingness. We talked about that at the last time I was on your show, Drew. And, and also to get back the idea of family. I mean, the, the communism so destroyed. It was so destructive. And so we need to look to praying for unity. And yes, I, it, they aren't going to become Catholic. They are going to go back to their Orthodox roots.
1: All right. Paul, thank you. I, pr- I appreciate thank the call. You. All right. I, I never thought of that. Actually, so I, I would I hope that they would come to, to the Catholic Church, but uh, that's an interesting analysis. John in Philadelphia. Good afternoon.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, Drew. Thank you very much. Um, see, I was I was thinking the you know the annihilation of nations, and uh, you know, in light of the Kita, Japan. Okay, mm-hmm. where. Uh, I think it was the, in like around 1980. Uh, yeah, 1973. All of the bishops have approved. Yeah, all the bishops have approved uh, that apparition. So it's on par with Fatima and Lords and and uh, but uh, in that again, there's a challenge that uh, that the uh, we could have a nuclear war. Okay, if, if we don't return. And of course, you know there wasn't any nuclear war in World War One. Okay, or World War Two. Well, at the end. But at any rate, now we have, uh, you know, Akita that's telling us that it's very possible if we don't return to the faith, you
1: know. It's such a good point, John. And I do want to talk about that with Barbara. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, of course, Fatima the Flaming Sword, Barbara, you and I were talking off air just a little bit about this. There were a lot of apparitions. Look, we were dealing with the Cold War. The Soviets um, were building up their arsenals. The U.S. had theirs. You know, we had the uh, incident with Cuba, Uh, you know, there's there's so much going on. We teetered on the brink of nuclear exchange. Uh, Sister Lucia said that it was up to the Pope as to when they would release the secret. But in her opinion, she said it was best they didn't release this third part of the secret until 1960s. The reason was that the third secret would become, she said, más claro, meaning clearer, you know, after that year. So, you know, looking back, the 60s were a time of great evil, the decade in which, of course, the threat for nuclear annihilation was driven home by the Cuban Missile Crisis. But then you look at the 1970s, as John is pointing out, four years um, after, you know, uh, well, 1973 is when the visions, when the revelation in Akita, Japan, took place to Sister Agnes Sasagawa Virgin appeared to her, said to her, hey, um, if men do not repent, if you do not return to God, a fire would fall from the sky and it would wipe out a large part of humanity. It'd be worse than the great leaves, the great flood of Noah. This will happen unless we, we repent. And then I think of the connection between Fatima and that of, of Akita. There are other places too. There was a place in Nicaragua in 81 where the Virgin said similar things. And we know that, um, You know, we were very, very close to to nuclear exchange. In fact, you were talking a little bit about how the consecration, which was actually done on March twenty fifth, 1984, perhaps mitigated or alleviated a a possible nuclear war with Russia. You have to share that with everyone.
3: Yes, and it's historically, looking back, I guess in 1985 we avoided a nuclear war with Russia. And what happened after that, well, they were getting ready to strike our strategic dis- defense systems that were being built by during the cold war by Reagan over in Europe, they were getting ready to strike one of them. And after the consecration, all these explosions occurred where it wiped out their nuclear program, their submarines, the the the, pl- the manufacturing plant that made the main uh, parts for, for the bombs and everything got destroyed. And I actually was <clears throat> had the privilege of speaking down in Texas on during the May 13, uh, 2017 year, and I was staying in the home of a former CIA agent who now teaches at Texas A&M, and he was telling me back in the 1980s, his job was to follow Putin around in, in the Soviet Union, so he was very familiar with all that was going on at the time, and I asked him, did, did the CIA know about these explosions and what caused them? He, he said, we knew nothing about it. We knew they, they had no idea. But he did confirm to me that yes, they were monitoring the situation because they were getting ready to, to strike us with a, a nuclear bomb. Wow. And so and Lucia has said it too, that we avoided a nuclear war. You know, after the consecration was done, she, she was much more felt more lighthearted and happy. She never brought it up again. Wow. In the nineteen wow. nineties when when uh she was being interviewed, she referred back to that time and and um she she never asked for the consecration again, so she truly believed that it, it did happen, that it, as it that Our Lady did accept it. And, you know, she, she as soon as John Paul too became Pope, she was listening intently and she felt like he was the Pope of Fatima. He was the one that was going to be part of bringing everything to fulfillment because he was from behind the Iron Curtain. So she paid special Attention to him from the very beginning.
1: And the Mercy Pope, the Fatima Pope, John Paul II—unbelievable! And, and it is amazing. John Paul on March twenty-fifth, nineteen eighty-four, consecrates the world to the Immaculate Heart. Did he implicitly consecrate Russia? He didn't mention Russia, but he consecrated the world right to the Immaculate Heart, as requested. And, and when you say the world, that's every nation under it. I don't know why people have a problem with that, right? And and to,
3: well, he did pause during the consecration and and. I believe all the bishops also in their hearts uh, made special mention of Russia but the, the words did refer to right. the 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 country that there was there was specially needing this. Uh, I also uh, think I also had read that he said you know he consecrated the world because by then Russia had spread its errors all over. I mean it yep, was yep. very ob- operating yep, very firmly yep. in China at the time and so he was yep. consecrating the whole world because of how Russia had spread its errors.
1: So two months, less than two months, after the consecration on March 25th. It was May 13th. To your point, I always love the way God works. He's in complete control of everything. As dark as things may seem, as out of control as they may be, as indomitable evil may seem, it's not. One of the largest crowds in the history of Fatima gathered to celebrate and to pray for Russia, May 13th, 1984. That very day, as you pointed out, a massive explosion occurred in the Soviet Union, uh, it destroyed a third of the northern fleet's stock of surface-to-air missiles, and, and of course, it lessened you know, Russia's ability to strike and cause precisely what the secret warned about: it—that fire falling from the sky. And if that wasn't enough, uh, a couple years later, Sister Lucia, as you pointed out, told that Filipino cardinal in, in, in that the eighty-four consecration that John Paul II did, prevented an atomic war that could have occurred in eighty-five. So uh, there's no coincidence in God. Um, I, but again, this is a, a cautionary tale for all of us. If We continue to go down this path of, of, of sin, and you're looking at the conflict we have now with China, you see Iran, you see uh, Russia building up their nuclear armament. Uh, I think the message of Fatima is just as important today, the need to pray, especially the rosary, and to do penance. When we come back, we'll grab a few more calls. I'm grateful for everyone's patience. I know you've been holding for a while. My guest, Barb Ernster, director of the World Apostle of Fatima and the Blue Army, Check them out at BlueArmy.com taking a look at those famous Fatima apparitions and the Third Secret.
0: The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Hey, thanks for joining me. If you're just tuning in, we are taking a look at uh, May 13th, a very significant day in the apparitions in Fatima, in the life of John Paul II. There was an assassination attempt on his life on this day as well, and if you've missed part of the conversation, you can always go to my podcast at relevantradio.com and dive into this conversation we're having on the third secret of Fatima and many well, tangential happenings that uh, were not really reported; most people don't know about them. You know, I, I love Fatima. I think it's nevergreen um, apparition. I think the message there is is timeless, and I, I love the faith, the humility of these seers, their willingness to sacrifice, to pray, to do penance. Sister Lucio, uh, Lucia, she once said this, and there's a quote from Fatima. I just it, it's it fortifies me. She said, "Look, there's no problem either material." Or moral, national, or international that cannot be solved effectively by the rosary and our sacrifices. And if you take anything away today, let that be it, all right? There's not a problem in your life that cannot be resolved by prayer and by sacrifices. You see, Our Lady really possesses a potent force. And prayer starts that chain reaction for the good, and it's far more powerful than any atomic weapon, because prayer works. It changes things. It works miracles. and I know you need to hear that. I know you need to put it into practice, and I'm just as guilty. I need to pray more. I need to sacrifice more. If we do that, we'll move mountains. Miracles will unfold in our lives. My guest today, Barb Ernster, director uh, of the uh, communication director, I should say, the World Apostle of Fatima. Check them out at BlueArmy.com. And, and Barb, before I go to the phone, I just want to indulge one, one other little tidbit of information that isn't, I think, that commonly known. After the, um, well, there was an encounter that Sister Lucia, this future saint, had with another saint, John Paul II, and they connected in a mystical way in 1982. They were in Fatima. Share that experience.
3: Yeah, she. it was the first time she was able to really have a conversation with Pope in, the, in all the, the time since you know 1917. She had met with St. Paul VI when he was in Fatima in 1969, but he didn't give her the, the, the personal meeting that she wanted, to, and it was a big disappointment for her. Pope John Paul II made it a, a priority to meet with her. So their first meeting was in Fatima in 1982, and she knew that they wouldn't have a whole lot of time to speak with each other. So she gave him a letter. And it later served as a guidance for the interpretation of the third part of the secret. I don't know what was in the letter, but it it had all of her major desires that were carried in her heart. And she wanted to see them satisfied. I know one of the things that she wanted him to share with him was her deep meditations on the rosary. And um, she wanted the church to raise the rosary to a, I don't know if if it was a liturgical prayer. I can't remember what it was that she was asking for. But they met very quickly and they determined that they were not. it was not the time to release the third part of the secret. They both felt that it would be prudent to keep silent about that because they felt that it was more urgent to get the consecration done. And so, um, like I said, they didn't have a whole lot of time to talk, but they did share a mystical, spiritual union all the way to her death in 2013. So... I mean, he the last thing she got before she died was an apostolic pardon from him and a letter from him. So those two kept in touch, and, and she really felt that he was the Pope of Fatima. He was the bishop dressed in white. He was the one, and Our Lady interceded for his life so that he could carry out a mission.
1: Well, yeah, fascinating. I have, to, I have to share one more thing. Yeah, one no, of go the ahead. Vatican go reporters.
3: Ahead. One of the Vatican reporters called her... An awkward Carmelite who was a thorn <laughs> that pierced the throat of all the popes of the 20th century. So that she never, she never was really looked upon wow. as somebody to be reckoned with. I mean, she yeah. was so humble and obedient, yeah. and, but yet she, she wasn't given a whole lot of stature by the media or people
2: in yeah. higher ranks. <laughs> That's
1: a heck of a description, huh? It's <laughs> something else. All right, let's go back to the phones. We'll start in Houston. Tito's been waiting for a while to ask you this question. Tito, good afternoon.
4: Hi, good afternoon, Drew. Thanks for taking my call. I, I guess I, w- I just wanted a reflection from Bob, Barb concerning the third part of the secret. Uh, I personally believe that we averted a great a tragedy that was uh, prophesied. But in the, in, the, in the third part of the secret, it, it said the Pope, the, a Pope in white would be driving through past corpses and, and going up a hill, and there'll be bullets and arrows pointed and shot at him. And 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 it's not the opinion of, of Sister Lucia and and Barb that uh, Pope John Paul II also believed it that he was the Pope in white. Why only take that part of the secret? It's just amongst me and my peers, we believe, you know, wholeheartedly. Thank goodness we avoided a great tragedy. But at the same time, we don't believe that, you know, the, the prophetic part of the third part. Uh, was avoided, thank goodness. And we don't think that was John Paula, too, because he didn't drive through of a forest of corpses and then went up a hill and was shot at with arrows and bullets. That I was just wondering um, why only pick out the part that says the Pope in white. That's all. So, th- thank you for taking my phone call.
1: You got it. Thanks, Tito.
3: Well, actually, the Pope is not driving. He's walking through a big city. And it, it's a vision of the 20th century, all narrowed down to one vision. And it's it's a it's a he's it's the 20th century with all the effects of communism. 100 million people were killed, martyred, many of them for their faith. So, yeah. you know, this was a vision that was given to them in 1917, before Russia even fell to communism. So, what you're seeing in this vision is a whole century of the Church's path, and it's it's a message of hope in a way because it's walking through the city that's half in ruins and half not in ruins. So there's, it represents the freedom we all have, our will aligned with God. We have the the freedom to, you know, embrace the darkness or embrace the light. And so the Holy father is walking through the big city. And then he gets to the top of the, of the, at the top of the mountain. And you could look at that as being the church's path, the church, has to go to Calvary. That's going to be its path. We all have to go to the cross, and Amen. that's where He's killed.
1: So, Barbara, who uh, deciphered, decoded, or interpreted is probably the best word. The third secret. They come from Benedict the Sixteenth, John Paul? I mean, who looked at the secret and said, "This is what it is. This is this is this is what it means."
3: Well, Benedict the Sixteenth, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, he's the one who interpreted yeah. it, and Lucia met with him and she read the uh-huh. interpretation. And she said that is how I see it. She agreed with him. Mm. So, Lucia herself—it was almost like a relief to her because she was always told to just write what you saw, but leave the interpretation to the church. Yep. And she did that. And when she read his yep. commentary on the third secret, she agreed that that's how she saw it mystically in yep. her, in her own spiritual. And. You know, maybe it has communications with god
1: maybe it has a couple meetings you know may, maybe clearly that's that, that's the interpretation maybe also you know in a more temporal natural way the the you know the avoiding of the nuclear war and things along those lines as well maybe there's a spiritual and a and a temporal interpretation i, I, I don't know but i would go with cardinal ratzinger pope benedict or pope uh, emeritus benedict now uh, one of the most brilliant theologians the church has uh, hayward california don thank you for your patience good afternoon
4: Hi, good afternoon. Um, I think what I was trying to say a while ago is that um, we had the pandemic, and that is also a chastisement, but it's a lesser chastisement compared to what it was.
1: I I think his signal is dropping. Don, I'm sorry. I think we lost you. I guess he's wondering if the pandemic is a punishment.
3: Well, it certainly feels like it. I, I believe that, you know, yeah. we're living in a very dark world, and whether it's due due to sins of other people and we're having to deal with it, but, I mean, we all need to be, yeah. again, keeping our eyes on Christ and offering yeah. up our suffering. So sufferings.
1: my call screener is saying Don also wants to know if Russia needs another century uh, to, to convert.
3: Possibly. Lucia said people think things happen so quickly, but it it not it all plays out. And as as we said in my last yeah. uh, show with you, Drew, that we're, she had said in 1991, we're in the third day of the week of Fatima. Wow. And hopefully we're in the fourth or fifth day, but she said it's going to take a long time for everything to play out. Yeah. I want to mention, too, from the last caller,
2: yeah.
3: Cardinal Ratzinger never said that this secret, the vision was was a vision of the future. And the future can be changed. Um, so he, he never looked at it. He never called it a vision of the future, and that's not how Lucia saw it either. She didn't see it as prophecy. Yeah. It was more like she had these real understandings of God's justice, and she always related it back to we choose. It goes back to our choice, the world plunging into sin, into its own sin. That's what this chastisement would be. And I believe the October miracle when the sun came out of its orbit so and yeah. fell, that that's a, Prefigurement of what a chastisement
1: might look like. Yeah, wow, well, something else. Barbara, thank you. So good to have you with us today. It's Barb Ernster, Director of Communications for the World Apostle to Fatima. Check them out at bluearmy.com. Tremendous resources on Fatima. Please go there, check it out, get behind their great work. I'm out of time for the day. I want to thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. Until our passing again cross tomorrow. and God bless you.